This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Darn right it is. Seattle Sports at Night here with you on 710 ESPN Seattle here on this absolutely gorgeous Monday it was here in Seattle. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here with you. For the next two hours, Stacy, what a day it was outside! Oh, there I we go. It. Yeah, it was an incredible day outside. Uh, I can't get enough of looking outside at the window and seeing the sun. Did you go outside this weekend? I did a little bit. That's nice. Yeah, I didn't. No, just. Cooped up, watching Netflix inside. Yeah. In I wasn't it, watching Netflix. It no. was Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get, <laughs> no I got to get my no streaming brag. service right yeah. here. Hello. Yeah. But uh, today, uh, certainly one for the record books here. It's wild to think that just a month ago, there was snow everywhere. I know. And I was digging my degrees. car out yeah. from the curb. But uh, not today. Not even close uh, today, but uh, we've got a lot to get to tonight here on Seattle Sports Night. Jake Heaps, he'll be back with us tomorrow. He's actually in the air right now, uh, flying back from Syracuse's Pro Day. He was out there running things, Mm -hmm. uh, so he's a very busy man. In fact, I mean, he's so busy that, like, we'll get into this a little bit here in in the timeline, but Stacey, I don't know about you, but I've never been name-dropped on The Tonight Show. I, I haven't either. You it haven't? surprises me. Yeah, but I, I know. You've got friends in high places. Uh, you being as close as you are with like Meghan Markle. I just call her Megan, so yeah. it's weird hearing the last name. But yeah, yeah right. exactly. So like neither of us have been name dropped on the Tonight Show. Uh, but I mean, let's let's quit knocking this around. Let's get into the timeline. We'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, a lot going on this weekend, including the Huskies making their first NCAA tournament appearance since 2011. Kind of kind of backed their way into the tournament as they got blown out by Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, losing by 20. You couple that with the losses to Cal, the other loss to Oregon down the stretch of the season, getting close games against uh Wazoo, Mm -hmm. close games against Stanford, close games against Oregon State. The Huskies are in, but it's not a comforting feeling the way in which they got there. Yeah, it wasn't on a hot streak. It wasn't like an all-la Oregon or their opponent, Utah State, that I think is on a 10-game win streak. Yeah, Oregon, they've won, I believe, their last eight in a row, including four straight in Las Vegas, becoming the first Pac-12 team to win four games en route to a conference tournament since Colorado back in 2012. Uh, The Ducks get a 12 seed, but the Huskies, they're a 9 seed in that Midwest region. They'll face Utah State Friday at 3.45 p.m., and the winner will likely face number 1 seed North Carolina on Sunday, Gonzaga, the other team from this state, uh, making the NCAA tournament. They're the West's number one seed. There was some question of whether or not they were going to get that, considering their loss to St. Mary's in the WCC tournament didn't matter. Their tournament resume was as 
stacked as you could possibly get it. Gonzaga will be a one seed for the third time in school history. I don't like the idea of them squeaking in as a one seed. Yeah, we've had that update that going all mean? day long today saying they just squeaked in as a one seed. Like, you don't squeak in if you're a one seed. Like, no. there was no doubt in anybody's mind. That's like saying mind. it's like a very affordable first class mm, ticket. Like, like it, nah. <laughs> I, I certainly have never been able to afford a first class ticket. Yeah. Like, I mean... We're hosting from 7 to 9. Like, this isn't first-class money that we're making over here. I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. I don't know what I am talking about. But uh, that field of 68 has been set. Three Pac-12 teams making it, which I think was a surprise to just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Washington, Oregon being uh, the the bubble team. And then ASU getting into the first four uh, matchup. They'll go up against St. John's coming up uh, on Wednesday from Dayton, Ohio. Winner gets to face the number six seed. Uh, Washington playing Utah State. Utah State out of the Mountain West. They're a team that's, like you just said, pretty hot. Uh, They're averaging about 80 points a game. Last year, uh, two years ago, the Huskies, we all know the story. Two wins in conference play. Only nine wins in the entire season. A quick turnaround like this, you'd expect there to be a lot more fever surrounding the team. But I don't know. It feels kind of tempered. It does. I mean, it, it. I don't know if I'm just going off kind of like the activity and excitement I'm seeing around some of the stuff that me and Brent are doing where, you know, Brent took a deep dive to look at Utah State and, and was very excited about it. Um, but I think, I don't know if maybe just when it gets closer, it'll change or if people's expectations just change, right? Like maybe the way that Washington ended the season made people feel a little disappointed, even though when you think about it, again, like I... I feel like it's been a stellar turnaround um and we were talking about them being a nine seed uh or around there a couple weeks ago yeah so i mean it's not like they yeah they backed in and that they you know ended with a loss but i didn't think they wouldn't go yeah i, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think, think there anyone was, was thinking yeah that, right? when they got out to what it was like a 12 and 0 starting conference play they clinched the Pac-12 regular they season title. almost went undefeated at home. Exactly. I think there's a lot to be proud of. Yeah. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll ask the question, do the Huskies have enough juice left? You can weigh in on the Coors Light text line, 710-710. But that's not the only team uh, doing business right now. The Seahawks, we're in the thick of free agency, bringing in a couple of guys for visits. Most notably, coming up tomorrow will be veteran wide receiver Jordy Nelson, who played last season for the Raiders after spending his entire career with the Green Bay Packers before that. John Schneider, GM for the Seahawks, has a long history with Nelson. He was in the Green Bay front office when they drafted Jordy Nelson. Nelson's 34 years old, though. Some question marks, you know, could this be a guy like Brandon Marshall a year ago where maybe he's brought in and not a whole lot happens, but... I don't know. I think Jordy Nelson's a guy a year ago actually put up some decent numbers in the second half of the season. That was after Amari Cooper was traded from Oakland mm-hmm. to Dallas, and there weren't a whole lot of guys to get the ball to in Oakland. He stepped up. I believe he had 34 receptions in his final six or seven games, so that's not bad. Like That's that's decent production. I would gladly take that uh, from a number three or number four wide receiver here in Seattle. No, for sure. I think it depends on the cost, too. Like I know that that uh, what was it a two-year, fourteen million dollar deal with the Raiders? It was essentially a one-year deal worth seven million. That's a steep price for for bringing in a thirty-three-year-old wide receiver. He's insanely talented. I actually don't think 
I would be surprised if it was that much coming in. But I wonder how much of this is John Schneider just uh, kind of scratching that itch. You know what I mean? Like he he was really liked this guy when he was coming out of school. Was one of the uh, guys pushing for Green Bay to to trade and then to draft him. So um, I mean, maybe it's just I know that they wanted to look at him last year. Maybe it's just kind of actually going through with that. So I don't know how much of it is curiosity and how much of it is actually seriously considering signing up. And the Seahawks, as we all know, they've been looking for that big body wide receiver for what seems to be 30 years now. Jordy Nelson's actually a big dude. He's 6'3". About what? Two, yeah, he's he's a big guy. Whoa. He's not the 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, that ten. we all imagine in our... Yeah, he's he's actually Jordy like Jordy Nelson. He just sounds small. Yeah, he's not Little a Jordy. not a not a gym rat type. Well, not I mean maybe he is. He's a he's a proficient route runner. Yeah, he's first first, first to practice. In, last out. Yeah, last to leave. Uh, well, one guy who has left the Seahawks, Malik McDowell. You didn't think you'd hear his name ever again. Well, sounds like there's a you team in. Yeah, you just did. Jokes on you. But the Dallas Cowboys are scheduled to meet with former Seahawks second-round pick Malik McDowell. That is according to ESPN Cowboys Nation reporter Todd Archer. Think of the butterfly effect Malik McDowell's ATV injury had on the entire Seahawks organization. Yeah, no, we were talking about this, and uh, later this show we'll get into where the Seahawks stand with their draft picks and everything. But we were trying to figure out where those picks went and a surprising number of them or just where the Seahawks are right now and their lack of flexibility. Some of that still stems from the Malik McDowell pick and then his later his accident. Yeah, and and we'll get into it coming up at about 7.30. Uh, the Seahawks and their lack of draft capital, their lack of cap flexibility. Is that something that concerns you? That's coming up in about 20 minutes uh, and a large part of that is stems from Malik McDowell and the ensuing roster moves the Seahawks had to make to fill that vacancy uh, that was created when McDowell uh, was just not able to play ever again uh, following that serious accident he was in. Uh, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson, he was on The Tonight Show this week, and this was actually Friday night, and... One of us three here, and it's we not. We won't say who it yeah, is. It's not. I'll just say Don't, it wasn't me. It, okay. So it was either me or Jake. Keeps were name dropped by Russell Wilson on the Tonight Show. Let's take a listen. In addition, we have RWQB, which is kind of an all-year-round thing rather than just one day or whatever. It's all-year-round where uh, a guy who played with me before, Jake Heaps, who's actually helping run the camp and directing the camp uh, all-year-round, is he played in the NFL, played quarterback, was in the room with me, was in the fire. He really knows what he's doing. You know, these, these guys, quarterback gurus, well, he's really a guru. He really played the game. Yo, Seattle Sports Tonight getting a shout-out yeah. on The Tonight Show. I think we got a shout-out by affiliation. Yeah, like that's... We also, yeah, yeah. Like, Russell Wilson was like, and I was like, Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. I mean, we may have to, like, slow the sound down, get some, like, high-tech editing going. Yeah, exactly. But our boy Jake Heaps getting name-dropped 
on the Tonight Show. What I heard was listen to Seattle Sports at Night that's on 710 yeah. ESPN. Literally, that's what I heard just now. I don't know about you. Subscribe to the podcast also. <laughs> Five stars only. Yeah, 710sports.com. Apple Podcasts, it's there. Google Play, it's there. There's no excuse for you to not subscribe to Seattle Sports at Night's podcast. Also, the Mariners going on uh, in Tokyo. They swept an exhibition series against the Omiuri Giants. And oh, by the way, Ichiro Suzuki, Now he was announced as the Mariners' opening day right fielder. We'll get into that tonight in Big If True coming up at 8.30. And then finally... Before we go to break, it has become the new fire festival around here I on Seattle Sports and Night. Yeah. Lori Laughlin, who, Aunt Becky, whose daughter was alleged to have only been accepted into USC because of a $500,000 payment, will get this. Lori Laughlin allegedly rigged a game show that her daughter, Olivia Jade, appeared on. To make her daughter look smarter. How dumb do you think your kid is? Like, yeah. how little faith do you have in uh, your kid where you'll drop half a million dollars and rig a game show, however that happened, to to just help her look better? Oh, like, uh, in my mind, Aunt Becky was, like, just one of the most wholesome characters in television history. Like there was not there there was nothing bad to say about her because that's just how great her character was on Full House. It was just like, oh. Shout out to Aunt Becky. Well, it was Being a, a myth, Curtis. It was. It absolutely was. They say never meet your heroes. I don't even have. I don't even have to meet Lori Laughlin <laughs> to know to that I'm know. disappointed. Yeah, come on, Lori. Get it. You can't get. even. I can't even hear her being called Lori. No, it has it's to be Aunt, Aunt Becky. Becky. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. And then uh, finally, before we uh, head to break here, some quarterback news in the NFC West. Blake Bortles. He's coming. Uh, he'll be Jared Goff's backup. He finalized a deal with LA today. So Blake Bortles to the NFC West, not going to be the Seahawks' backup quarterback. At least, I mean, how long was that a rumor? Was that serious? No, it wasn't. That I was, was like I barely. That heard was this. definitely me mm. asking Jake because. Gotcha. Yeah, because we. Why not? Yeah, because he's a quarterback guru. Exactly, he's the guru. What he's not a guru of is logging out of his email around here. This is what yeah. Lydia was saying. She's like, I wouldn't believe that they were teasing him about like lying about his friendship. And then she was like, yeah, only I see his emails and correspondence. And yeah, like, oh yeah. Never mind. This is all real. But yeah. log out. Exactly. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Come on, man. There are, a few, there are a bunch of people around this building that are very guilty of not logging out of their email or their Twitter accounts or their Facebook accounts. Jim Moore. Another yeah. One. Jim Moore. Brock is also another person that has yeah. forgotten to log out of his email. What you got to do is follow yourself from their accounts. Go like some tweets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> I've totally done that where I've clicked follow Curtis Rogers. <laughs> Which, by the way, you can do that at Kid from Kent on Twitter. When we get back here on Seattle Sports at Night, do the Huskies have enough juice left in their tanks to make any kind of run in the NCAA tournament? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Text coming in from the Coors Light text line. A lot of them about Aunt Becky and Lori Laughlin and just all that is going on at USC over the last week or so. From the 253 saying, all those life lessons from Aunt Becky are tainted. 
and Danny Tanner is a vulgar insult comic. My entire childhood was a lie. Yeah, yeah. Bob Saget is like he his stand up routine is like one of the most crude out there. I didn't know this until recently. Yeah. Which is a far cry from his character on Full House, which was like the most wholesome dad See, of all time. See, I never watched Full House, so yeah. I think all of this, a lot of the jokes are going over my head, or I just don't, I'm not, I don't feel disappointed. Yeah. You didn't miss much with Full House. It, it would start off- My understanding is it's a story about some twins and their older sister, and their older sister has a really weird scatterbrained friend- Kimmy Gibbler, there. yeah. And uh, they live with the dad because yes. the mom left. N- and... The mom passed away. Okay. And uh, they can't afford rent in San Francisco, so his brother lives there with his wife, who um, is nice. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they have their kids. And they have their kids. What? Yeah. Alex and... Uh... Out, they have twins as well. This is too many people for one house. Yeah. And then there's also... So it's a full house. Yeah. You're catching on. And then there's also Danny Tanner's friend, Joey, who also like leeches off of him and lives in the basement. This is all just very confusing to me. And Joey and Jesse went on to become radio hosts on the show. I believe they were called like the Renegade Rockers or something. Yeah. My other favorite text. <laughs> all right, all right. Got from this is from the two five three about Aunt Becky. I'm assuming die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. There we go. There we go. That's some Batman advice. There I also for you. like. Okay, I'm sorry. Forget Full House. Let's talk sports. Also, you forgot Stephanie. Ah, uh, yes, Stephanie Tanner in there as well. Who? I mean, middle children. They're often overlooked. So, uh, but right now the Huskies. Sort of taken, you know, a couple of steps backwards over the last couple of weeks, tripping up against Oregon at the end of the regular season. Obviously, the embarrassing loss to Cal, and then getting blown out again by Oregon in the Pac 12 title game. They've made the NCAA tournament, which was the goal at the beginning of the season. That was step one in. I think the big long-term plan that Mike Hopkins has here at Washington was to make the NCAA tournament. They they checked that box. But I get a sense from Husky fans that if they get bounced on Friday against Utah State, there's going to be some disappointment, especially considering how well the season started yeah. for them. Yeah, I could see that. I just, I don't know, will you be? I don't think so. I don't think I will be, but my expectations of this team were not not super low but I they've continued to surpass them and to me it's just their style of play is hard to again when their offense is there they're great because the defense is great Mm -hmm. when it's not they can fall apart and I feel like that's been the formula for the entire season. Am I wrong? No, and I think as the Huskies continue to have success, the target on their back becomes bigger. And right. I don't think there's a team in the Pac-12 that has a bigger target right now than the Huskies, considering with how mm-hmm. how much ease in which they played the Pac-12 schedule this year. But with that target becomes the added pressure of having and to be... Yeah, and, and having to be on your A game every single night. And if you're not, you're going to get every team's best effort. And the Huskies are new to that territory. They haven't been in this position right. as the best team in the conference, I would say, in about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they won the Pac-12 title with Isaiah Thomas's shot, which we all remember. But 
they weren't the best team in the Pac-12 that year, and they they got hot at the right time, made the NCAA tournament. But right now the Huskies are in that position to get every team's best effort, and we saw it in Las Vegas where they kind of tripped up. It wasn't just the Oregon game, but the Colorado game they got out to a really slow start. Matisse Thibel was in foul trouble. They picked it up, but then Thibel fouled out with about five minutes left. Colorado then was able to chip away, chip away to where Washington was, you know, just eking it out by the skin of their teeth. We saw it against USC where the Trojans had an opportunity to win it or at least to tie it at the buzzer, but their seven-foot center threw the pass out of bounds, and that was the end of the game. I think the one thing I worry, too, and this is – and I want to get to this listener question, but this is only semi-related, is they have, uh, at least against Oregon, struggled against just bigger players. And I think that that's what they're going to face in Utah State, too, is size. So, I don't know. I think – I didn't take them to, <laughs> I didn't take them to win in my bracket and that sounds awful because at the same time I'm sitting here saying that they're facing unfair expectations and everyone should be you know happy that they've gotten this far but it's just a, a tough matchup. Yeah, it absolutely is and I think the Huskies right now uh just kind of looking at their style of play against Colorado, I think that kind of speaks to how important Matisse Thibel is to making everything go for the Huskies. They were a completely different team when he was out against Colorado. And then when he came back in, they were the Huskies that we've come to know this yeah. season. And then, you know, when he, you can say Jalen Noel is the player of the year in the Pac 12 conference, but I don't think he's the most important guy to the Huskies program right now. I think that's obviously Matisse Thibel. And yep. if, if Utah State falls into that trap of, you know, teams have been avoiding going Thibel's way on when they have the ball and the Huskies are on defense. If Utah State is able to keep it away from Matisse Thibel and, and take advantage of his aggressiveness, I think the Huskies are going to be in a big, big time trouble mm-hmm. uh, on Friday. But right now, you know, if you're the Huskies, you got to be able to, you know, just put what happened this last week behind you and say, you know what, we're going to go out there and give it our best shot. And if they do beat Utah State, they've got a shot against North Carolina. Well, I don't, I don't know if they got a shot against North Carolina. I was going to say, you sounded real positive but, in there. I mean, as we've seen in these tournaments, especially within the last couple of years, one seeds are, are just as vulnerable as ever. But this year, the problem with the NCAA tournament is that I think the top six or seven teams are just that much better than yeah. everybody else in the tournament. I've got my Final Four All mo- the top seeds. Pretty much. I've yeah. got like Gonzaga and Duke and North Carolina. Like Tennessee. Yeah, which they're a two seed, yeah. and there was a lot of talk about them possibly being a one seed. They were the number one team in the country for, I think it was like a seven or eight week stretch at one point this season. So there is a lot of, you know, really, there, there's not a lot of, I guess, randomness that could happen in this year's tournament. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also, you know, there are also some matchups in that first round where you look at it and say, well, I, especially the Oregon matchup. As a 12 seed, they're the hottest team in the Pac-12. I could see them easily moving on over five-seeded Wisconsin. Yeah, I was going to say, I just don't know that Washington and Utah State is that matchup. Like, I expect Utah State to advance, but Oregon would be a top candidate for that. 
Yeah, text uh, from the Coors Light text line on uh, from the 253, say agree or disagree. The loss versus Cal cost the Huskies two whole seeds. I don't know about that. I think the loss to Oregon at the end of the season and then, I don't know, the it, it, championship maybe? But I I don't know. I think the loss to Cal definitely factored into their seeding. But if they would have beat Oregon to close out the season. Yeah, well, if they would have beaten Oregon State, easily if mm-hmm. they would have beaten Stanford easily I don't think we would have had this discussion of you know the cow loss looming as large as it did yeah. you could have just chalked it up to a one-time thing but now it was kind of the start of I guess a a, a, a period of their season in which they couldn't get it back underneath them yeah no I it's a, it's a fair question to ask for sure I don't know about two whole seeds, but it, it brought up lots of questions that linger now heading into this game. Absolutely. Coming up next, are you worried about the Seahawks' lack of flexibility when it comes to the draft and their cap space as free agency continues to roll on? We roll on here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up in 15 minutes, it's time for another edition of Four Down Territory. we got Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here answering the four biggest questions surrounding the Seahawks uh, here on this Monday. We talked that in about 15 minutes right here on Seattle Sports Tonight. You can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Accurate Dealers. Curtis Rogers here with you. Stacy Rost here with you. The Seahawks in free agency. They've made a few moves, and there was a time in which they had a lot of cap space. There was a time in which they were among the league leaders in cap space. I believe they started free agency with the eighth most of any team. Yeah, and they didn't have all of their contracted players accounted for, granted. Yeah, and but now, all of a sudden, they don't have a whole lot of cap space to work with. How do you go from so much to not as much in as quick of a span as they did when it seems like the Seahawks haven't really gone out and spent like crazy? My favorite analogy I've heard for this is the one that you used about getting paid on a Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when you get paid on a Friday, money is no object. It is not. You're like, I'm sorry, it's a $30 minimum to order sushi to my home? Not a problem. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will eats. do that, tipping everyone. Yeah, exactly. Everyone gets a 30% tip. Yeah. No problem. And then Monday rolls around. And then you've got $200 you your in your account. Yeah. And it's like, oh. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. What happened? What happened here? (laughs) Like, I could have sworn it was just a couple of things. I'm going to call my bank. Yeah, this this can't be right. Someone has my card. And then they rattle down the charges like, uh, sir, was this your $25 purchase at Taco Bell? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, What about this $70 charge on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really needed a laundry hamper. Yeah, exactly. That was $70. And then they continue to rattle it down. It's like, oh, yeah, that was all me. Oops. And then you're like, oh, dang, we don't get paid until not this Friday, but the next one after that. How am I going to make this $200 stretch over the course of like, 12 days more taco bell exactly i don't know if the seahawks are in that 
bad it's terrible financial like, advice. No, if know, you, children out there listening, do not do that. Save your money. <laughs> Invest. <laughs> I don't know that they're in that dire of straits, but they do have the 10th lowest cap space. Yeah, about around 15.9 million. So, I mean, part of that is the Frank Clark franchise tag, which is factored in there, even though he hasn't signed it. That's still 17 million. Uh, and you've got the free agents that they re-sign. So you're looking at DJ Fluker, bringing back KJ Wright. Michael um, Kendricks. Michael Kendricks. You've got a kicker now that you're paying more than you've paid a kicker in a couple years. Um, but I think looking at it, it's not that in itself that's concerning. It's that combined with the lack of draft picks. Yeah, the Seahawks only with four right now. You look at how they got in that situation uh, in the 2017 season, they traded the 2019 second-round pick to Houston for Dwayne Brown. Uh, this last offseason, they traded a sixth-rounder to Green Bay for Brett Hundley. And they also traded a seventh-rounder right before the season started to Oakland for safety Shalom Luani, who Hundley and Luani didn't really play a ton in 2018. Hundley actually didn't even see the field at mm-hmm. all. So the Seahawks being as carefree with their draft picks, to me that's a concern because we've seen Pete and John in years past value draft picks like no other. Right. That's how they've built up this team in the past. That's how they built up the Super Bowl years was through the draft. Every big contributor outside of, say, Marshawn Lynch and maybe Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill was brought in via the draft. Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, all these guys, Earl Thomas, Russell Okung, Max Unger. And now the Seahawks are in a position where they so desperately need to bring in more young guys to continue what it is that they've put in place in the 2018 season. And they've got the fewest amount of draft picks currently of any team in the NFL. Yeah, they're dealing with just four. Yeah, which makes me wonder like, if you go and, and trade your first-round pick, the most picks you're going to probably be able to acquire from that is maybe two extra in this draft you've got probably you can get a second round pick a third rounder and maybe like a sixth or something like that well you've got some big needs to consider too like I don't know I know it's a deep draft for defensive end which is um, certainly a position you want to address uh, if not you know among the first the first pick you use it's deep but I don't know if you want to go into the third round to, to make your first pick there. No, definitely not. I think with how the Seahawks are doing it, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up trading their first rounder, getting a second rounder early in the second round, and then also dealing that pick and getting a late second rounder plus more picks as well. I think you turn that first round pick into possibly three or four extra picks rather than just one or two. And, I mean, I think if the Seahawks don't trade back in that first round, I'm going to be very disappointed. I don't even know. It would have to be someone they had as a top five player on their board for them to not draft or to not trade back. If, like, Ed Oliver from Houston, who doesn't have the greatest name in the world, as we've talked about in the past, but... I think it's fine, and I think you're a hater. (laughs) You're probably right. Uh, But, you know... If he falls to the Seahawks at 21, and John Schneider's like, oh, I don't know if we can get this guy, brother, at pick 27. <laughs> With some destroyed denim and flip-flops. Yeah, just exactly. Really and, his, and his scraggly beard. 
brother. I don't know if we can get Dwayne, or I don't know if we can get at all. When did here. he get a Southern accent? He kind of he he absolutely he has, does not have a southern. He has accent, a Curtis. fake southern accent. He does not have a fake southern he accent. He has a very pronounced, like a Midwest. He says the word Howard. He does do that, but he also brother. He does. He okay, fine. Yeah, I'll that's that. John Schneider right there. If they don't trade that first round pick back, I'm going to be very disappointed because I want to see the Seahawks have a draft class of seven or eight guys, maybe even nine guys, whereas four, I mean, you really have to hit on all four if that's who you're going to go forward with. Like well, That leaves very little room for error. No, I agree, and I think a lot of fans still have a lot of faith in John Schneider and Pete Carroll and their ability to scout talent and draft, uh, and I think they've hit on a lot of uh, key picks, and, and they've uh, given fans every reason to believe that, but... That being said, there have been some misses in recent drafts, and a couple of those uh, still have to pan out, right? Yeah. You can't say that, uh, you know, Penny was a mistake. He's a first-round pick. He didn't have the best year, but he's it's his first year. There's yeah. a lot to be, to be done there. But I do think that if they use that first-round pick, that critique goes into, the, into it. And I think- people start saying, well, you used on Penny and not much happened with him. Fairly or not, I mean, I think that's going to happen. I think the Seahawks are in a position where they can't be, I guess, taking their first pick as a uh, taking on a developmental project where it's a you draft him and hope that he he has he great years in twenty in twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, I think they need contributors now. Yes, if they want to get to the Super Bowl, and and Jake and I we looked at this a couple of weeks ago asking, is there a position group on the Seahawks right now that you would consider Super Bowl caliber? We couldn't come up with one. Nothing? Maybe quarterback, but then you look at the backup situation and there's nothing there. What about the linebacker group? Not the depth, but just the starters. See, that is, I think that's maybe the closest group you could say I think so too. to a Super Bowl caliber group, but... Secondary is not there. Yeah. Defensive line's not there. Offensive line isn't there. Running back could be there. Chris Carson is a really good running back. Ran over a thousand yards. Rashad Penny continues to develop. So, do you want an immediate contributor to capitalize on the time you have with Wilson and Wagner? Yeah. Is that why you would say you want that? I think so. I think the the window in which these guys are going to be on the Seahawks, and we'll talk about this a little later the likelihood of keeping all three of Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, and Russell Wilson, I think the window of opportunity in the NFL just shrinks and opens so mm-hmm. rapidly that when it, there's even a tiny little sliver of an opening, you have to take advantage of it. Yep. And I think the Seahawks, after it closed on them in 2017, it's starting to peak back open. And I think right now they absolutely have to just say, let's do it. Let's go for it again. No, I agree. I think you've got a little bit of a gap between your best players on this team right now are Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. Your best receiver is Doug Baldwin. I mean, uh, your best defensive back is Bradley McDougal. Guys who are a little bit older. So, yeah, you need some immediate contributors. I agree with that. 
Coming up next, it is time for another edition of Four Down Territory. The Seahawks, they've been busy over the last couple of days in free agency. Did they make any mistakes in free agency? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, 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 deep. Coming up on the end of the first half here, Seattle Sports at Night. It means it's four down territory. we got to put one in the end zone. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Russell Wilson, he was on the Tonight Show. Propped up our QB guru, Jake Heaps. But uh, what did he tell Jimmy Fallon, of all people, about his upcoming contract negotiations? We get into that about 15 minutes. But right now, time for four down territory. Number one. All right, Stacy. first down. Seahawks, they've brought in a few new guys. They've kept some old ones. Have they made any mistakes so far in free agency? I don't think so. But the number one critique I was hearing early was about Jason Myers. Not because people were upset the Seahawks brought in a new kicker, and I think they were expecting them to do that. It's that, A, they had him before on a much cheaper deal, uh, bringing him in as a street-free agent. And B, they paid him about 15 or $16 million over four years. But let me tell you why I'm not mad at it. I'm taking this in the opposite direction. Okay. I'm not going positive with it. Uh, that salary is mostly backloaded. So it's only about $1.5 million in 2019, $2.6 million next year, $3.3 in 2021, and $4 million in 2022. So it's not a huge hit right away. And it's still less than some other uh, big-name kickers, Stephen Hauschka for one, Matt Prater, Justin Tucker. Um Finally, the reason I'm not mad at it is that you've had kicker issues. You went the route of trying to save money on kicker. And when it you cost let Hauschka them. walk. And it cost you. Literally, it cost you games. Um, I think you could argue that Blair Walsh, no offense, Blair Walsh, uh, that would he have made field goals against Washington uh, or Atlanta, um, the Seahawks might have had a completely different story last year and would have been in the playoffs. So I think it's just kind of a lesson learned from them. It's a position where they're not going to cut corners anymore. And worst case scenario, if if Myers turns out to be just a bust and doesn't work out, then you can cut him before that salary really checks in. Yeah, if the price of a win in the NFL had a dollar amount, and the Seahawks reach that dollar amount by signing Jason Myers yeah. over. Well, they've got Sam Ficken also on the roster, who's a street free agent. But if that dollar amount is going to get them an extra one or two wins this season, I think that is incredible money spent. And like you said, the issues that have plagued the Seahawks kicker position over the last three or four seasons, it has become enough. And special teams in the NFL has become more important now than I think it ever has been. And the Seahawks realized that by using a draft pick last year on Michael Dixon, by bringing in Tyler Lockett years ago as their returner. And so far that's paid dividends. Exactly. Both of those have worked out well. It it certainly beats the days of Brian Walters back just fair catching everything. Uh, Field position is how games are won and lost in the NFL. The Seahawks are doing their part in hoping that uh, that doesn't spell their doom at any point in 2019. Number two. Second down to you, Stacey. Earl Thomas, he spoke with NBC Sports' Peter King in his Monday morning quarterback column. 
And he clarified a few things, including who that middle finger was meant for as he was being carted off against the Arizona Cardinals. And he said he was flipping off Pete Carroll. What do you make of his recent interview with Peter King? And did it change your opinion at all of his exit? It didn't. I mean, I think we always assumed that it was it was clearly towards the Seahawk bench. Uh, and he has a good relationship with ex-teammates. So it's either Pete Carroll or John Schneider or just in general, just angry in, in, in that direction. But uh, But no, I mean, I think it again, clearly Pete Carroll publicly hasn't stated that he has any issue with it. Um, just days later, he told Brock and Salk that uh, people should take it easy and, and give Earl a break. So, no, I mean, I think Earl had a rough ending with Seattle, but um, I think he's just an emotional person, as any player would be, right? You kind of have to to be in a certain headspace to play professional football. And I think I I would assume it's really hard to just turn that on and off. Yeah, and Earl is a guy who I don't think has ever turned that headspace off. Yeah. That's just how he operates every single day. And with how contentious the negotiations got between Earl and the Seahawks, I honestly don't blame him for the reaction that he did have after he was down for the rest of the season. But as it turns out, he got what he wanted. He got a multi-year deal, maybe not at the exact price point he wanted, but it was certainly more than what the Seahawks were going to give him. So, I mean, maybe it didn't work out in the immediacy for Earl Thomas, which definitely contributed to the reaction that he had uh, for the Seahawks sideline. But in the end, he got what he wanted, and I think the Seahawks got what they wanted. I think they realized that, yeah, we don't want to spend big money on a guy entering his third contract who's going to be on the other side of 30, which in football kind of spells doom for a lot of careers. And the Seahawks right now, I think, are in a much better position going forward with the group that they have, at least in terms of flexibility and the cap. You know, $15 million is all they've got. Imagine bringing in Earl Thomas, who's getting paid, what, $12 million? Mm-hmm. That's all, of a, it. all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's you're your done. Ca- yeah, there's your Forget cap. Jordy Nelson. Exactly. Speaking of Jordy Nelson. Number three. Third down to you, Stacy. If the Seahawks do bring in Jordy Nelson as a free agent, kind of clogs things up. Jerron Brown is still on the Seahawks roster. Who would you take, Jordy Nelson or Jerron Brown? I put a lot of thought into this for two reasons. One, Jordy Nelson to the Seahawks is intriguing to me. And number two, we have the same birthday. Ah, well, I mean, that's exactly the reason why you'd want him on the Seahawks roster. But I think I'd actually go with Jerome Brown. Um, I think that in Seattle's offense, especially, uh, Brown only finished with 166 yards, but he only got 19 targets. So compare that to Jordy Nelson, who got 88 targets, finished with 739 yards. But Jerome Brown had five touchdowns. That's tied for second place on the team. Um, I mean, that's insane. With 19 targets, five of those were touchdowns. Uh, And Jordy Nelson had three. That's not to say he didn't have a big impact with the Raiders. But if you're looking at someone that can contribute when needed in in an offense that leans heavily into the run, you can find Jerron Brown, who's 29 years old, for $3.5 million a year. Uh, versus Jordy Nelson, who is a very intriguing player um, and would certainly uh, have an impact, but last year was signed with the Raiders for about $7 million. You look at Jordy Nelson's production over his career, obviously it's helped out by the fact that Aaron Rodgers was throwing him passes for as long as he did. But what I look at, what really speaks out to me about Jordy Nelson and how he would fit here in Seattle is that catch percentage, how efficient he is. 
Last year with Derek Carr, who's not a great quarterback, yeah. throwing him passes, he was still able to haul in 71.6% of his targets. That's Ron Brown, really 73%. good. Exactly. So who do you want if Nelson comes out to be more expensive than Jerron Brown, I think you're you're better off with Jerron Brown as a Seahawk than you are Jordy Nelson, but Nelson's intriguing. If Jordy Nelson wants to come in for like $4 million yeah, or or just significantly less than he was getting with Oak, Oakland, I think that conversation's harder. By the way, you'd think Jordy Nelson, Jordy's short for Jordan. Is it just Jordy? It's just Jordy. That's why I keep thinking he's short. Yeah. You can't have the name Jordy and be six foot three. Well... He does. and I'll believe it when I see it. All right. Number four. Fourth down. We got to go for it. We got to put seven on the board here, Stacy. And we don't even have our quarterback right now. Jake is in I the know. air, I'm guessing. I'm the stand-in. You're, <laughs> you are our Brett Hundley here. <laughs> Not even. I'm like the Charlie Whitehurst. Oh, you're like, whoa, no. whoa. Charlie Whitehurst is still here. <laughs> Holy cow. But question four, fourth down here, Stacy. Are there any remaining Seahawks free agents you could see the team re-signing? I think if any, I would go maybe Nico Thorpe. Uh, you could get some, uh, keep a little bit of depth at defensive back. And another thing is he was the third most uh, special team snap contributor. So he played on almost 60% of special team snaps, uh, which is behind only Barkevius Mingo and Jacob Martin. Um so overall, I think the moves that they've made, the moves that they were going to make, they've made, which sounds really boring. But I think that if you haven't signed Nico Tharp at this point, either you weren't interested in re-signing him or you gave him an offer and he's not too interested in it and he's testing the market. But overall, I think if you're going to choose any player from that list, you bring in a defensive back that can, that can help you on special teams. That is another edition of Four Down Territory. You can download the podcast, 710sports.com. You can subscribe to Seattle Sports Tonight on Apple Podcasts, also on Google Play. Uh, Getting back to the Seahawks making any mistakes in free agency, I believe it was Bill Barnwell of ESPN who's been grading every single free agency move out there. Uh, he gave the Seahawks what was it, a D plus on Jason plus? on Jason Myers uh, that sign. I mean, I understand it in theory. It, it's expensive, right? Like yeah. you're spending sixteen million bucks on a kicker, but I mean, but have we've you seen, seen it the Seahawks exactly. kicker situation. That's the thing. Like we saw last year after the Seahawks drafted Michael Dixon, those tweets about the Broncos draft room erupting in laughter when it happened. But it's like. The Broncos haven't had any kind of success in the draft over the last four or five years. Yeah. What? Did, where do they get off? I think too, like a special teams move is never never going to get like a an A plus. No, because no one's going to be like A plus. You signed a kicker because it's not exciting. No, and you know it's not a guy who's going to be out there making tackles or scoring touchdowns. Well, he sh- he should make at least yeah, one tackle. If you can make one tackle, Jason Myers, you will have shown increased value uh, for the Seahawks because Sebastian Janikowski. Sure as heck was not making any kind of tackles last year. Coming up next, Russell Wilson, he sat down on the Tonight Show couch. He shouted out our guy Jay Keeps, but he also had some more important things to talk about, including his upcoming contract negotiations. What did he have to say? We get into that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.